3: Welcome, everyone, to episode 52 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I am your host, Jack Rico, and I want to take some time out to thank every single person for downloading and uh, listening to our U.S. Latino podcast. lot to talk about this week. Uh, Puerto Rico is still in crisis. It's a humanitarian crisis. Um, and it seems like the government just does not want to help at all. Like, they're looking for excuses not to help. And uh, everything has really fallen on... Uh, Latinos and our fellow brother Americans who are helping out raising funds. Celebrities are doing a great job. Stephen Colbert is using his platform on The Late Show to raise money. Everybody's raising money, so this really falls on us of uh, the responsibility and the accountability to, to, to help out uh, Puerto Rico. So, uh, we're doing everything we can. If you can, donate, help out as much as you can. Also in other news, Beyonce released a new music video called Freedom, but what she's really Getting a lot of attention on is the fact that she's number three on the Hot 100 billboards, thanks to J Balvin's Mi Gente. She did a remix with him on the song, again, to also help out uh, Puerto Rico. And uh, Mi Gente is just, it went from number 19 to now number three on the Hot 100. So if you look at the top three songs in America, in the United States right now, it's a Dominican at number one with Cardi B and Bodak Yellow, it's Post Malone. Uh, With Rockstar, and then number three is Mi gente with the remix of Beyonce at number three. It's fantastic. I mean, but you can look at this in pros and cons, right? The pro is all right. We're number three. You know, J Balvin, Spanish music. But also the con about this is we needed Beyonce's help and a mainstream figure to shoot us up to number three because on its own, Mi gente only peaked at number nineteen. Let's remember that. But Here's what I'm saying overall about the song and Spanish language music within the pop culture sort of at large. It's that music at the end of the day is a unifying tool, right? We've always known this. It's a unifying force. So what's so wrong about having two cultures, two languages come together, uniting, unifying themselves to create great music that everybody loves, So I don't have a problem with Justin Bieber jumping on this Basito or Beyonce and shooting it up to to number one. Yeah, Spanish music just isn't there yet on its own to stand on its own and become number one or top five on the Hot 100. We'll see that at one point. It's coming. But in the meantime, I don't have a problem with English language artists uh, collaborating with Spanish language artists and creating amazing music. You know, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I think that that's the whole concept of music to begin with. Speaking of music, Taylor Swift just announced that she's doing an entertainment and social app for fans. Uh, not any, not many people know what the heck this uh, app is for, but what a lot of people are saying is that it's just basically a platform for Taylor Swift fans. You know, you get all your news, music videos, songs, maybe some tickets to her concerts uh, here and there. A lot of celebrities are doing this with Demi Lovato and Kim Kardashian, so let's see how that works. Um... Several episodes ago here on the podcast, I had bitched and complained about MTV new TRL show and that it needed to have Spanish-language artists be on the show, singing in Spanish, you know, and, and, and promoting them. And guess what? They actually did. So TRL, in the first week, I think it was on a Friday, Romeo Santos sang Bachata in Spanish. Fat Joe was there. Joan Smalls was there. So... I think MTV heard the podcast, and I tip my hat off to uh, everybody there that did those great changes to make sure that Spanish language music was at the forefront of the TRL um, reboot. Also, uh, talking about music, Eminem took some shots at Trump at the BET Awards. I'm not sure if you guys had a chance to see the award show. It went viral. A lot of people were happy that a rap legend came back, but I got to be honest with you, I thought it was kind of whack. I mean, you know, after you see Emine;M back in his youth, uh, and the reason Dr. Dre just, you know, basically became enamored with his skill, in rapping, and after seeing Eight Mile and after seeing all these great listening to all these great records, ah eh, I, I, I thought that was okay. You know, I didn't think it was terrible, but I thought it was okay. You know, nothing to write home about. I mean, this dude can do better work. And I thought that he could have done better here with the Trump thing uh, to the point that it should have become iconic. What he did at the BT Awards slamming on Trump, that, that could have been iconic, and, and it wasn't. So um, those are my two cents on that. Did you guys hear about Sylvester Stallone? On Instagram just this week, he announced that he's going to be directing and producing Creed 2. I think that's cool. I thought Kugler was doing it. I guess not. Uh, Here's what I like about it. Stallone has a great story for part two. Check this out. So you know that Michael B. Jordan is the son of Apollo. So who could be his best (laughs) opponent in part two? The son of Ivan Drago. I mean, the full circle on this is insane. And to see the son of Apollo and the son of Drago with Stallone in the corner... Man, they should get Dolph long oh no, did Dolph Lundgren die in part three? No, I don't think he did. I think he just lost. But it'd be great to get Drago back and have Stallone and Drago and then the two sons go at it in the ring for Creed Two. Forget it. That's nostalgia. That's on the Star Wars level, you know? What What uh, Harrison Ford is doing with Blade Runner 2049 in the end of Jones 5, where They're giving us these nostalgic moments, but also introducing sort of the new generation of actors and, but still with the same sort of like DNA. And that's what I love about this. not sure if you've been keeping up with sports. The Yankees beat the best team in baseball with the Cleveland Indians. Now they're going to be playing the Astros next. Judge sucked, unfortunately. The young guys like Gary Sanchez couldn't do much. It was the vets (laughs) who took us uh, to the next round. I think there's something special there, by the way. So I'm tuning in. I haven't watched baseball in a long time. It's just they've always been losing, kind of like the Giants. Uh, talking about losing, the United States soccer team lost against Trinidad and Tobago in a stadium that didn't even look like a stadium. It looked like a high school stadium. They looked like there were 30 cats out there. I think there was a little bit of rain. And these guys lost, man. Dempsey, Bradley, Pulisic. I think he's the only one who scored. Man, these guys have become ultimate losers. Just not what the United States is about. At least not what the soccer sort of statement was supposed to be for this 2018 World Cup. Everybody's saying that Fox Sports, who bought the rights for about two million, they're the big losers in terms of advertising and the opportunities completely missed here because the United States didn't go. Americans aren't going to be interested in the World Cup at all. But, you know, Telemundo... Don't think that, you know, just because the Mexico did and the U.S. didn't, you know, you, where, where do you think you're based out of? Telemundo, you're based out of the United States, Miami. Last I heard, it was not in Latin America. So, you know, you, you're being affected by this, too, because you, Hispanics are also U.S. Hispanics. They're not just Latin American immigrants that only think like, a, like Latin Americans. There's a lot of U.S. Hispanics that root for the United States, and you know that, so this sort of affects you too. So on the show today, we got three great comedians from HBO's Latinos, Entrenos Part 2, Frankie Quiñones from San Francisco, Mexican-American, Shayla Rivera, Puerto Rico, who lives in Texas, and Vladimir Camaño, a Dominican uh, from the Bronx here in New York. And we're going to be talking to them about the show, what the expectations are, how they feel about being a part of the HBO family. Uh, We talk about relationships, observations on cultural diversity, the fascination with the wealthy, labels. Do they prefer to be categorized or labeled as Latino comedians or just straight up comedians? So we kind of get it all into that. Great conversation. They're not only funny, they're very smart you know and they have a lot of insight into sort of social behavior that's what i probably truly most love about comedians and we talk a little bit about the future of comedy overall and and where it's at right now so stick around listen keep your headphones on this is the highly relevant podcast to
1: watch From the Bronx, New York, Vladimir Kamano. You ever notice deer don't go to bad neighborhoods? You have notice that? All right, our next comic comes from Puerto
3: Rico, by way of Texas, by way of California, by way of NASA, Shayla Rivera!
0: Going out,
1: gotta shave, just in case! Our next comic comes
2: to us from San Francisco, the great Frankie Quinones! You didn't hear about Ricky and Sofia? Lupe's cousin Angelica was at the mall, she saw Pedro, and Pedro saw Monica, and Monica said she was at the movies, and she saw Rico and Sofia in the background. They were scamming, making out in front of everybody, and I was like, what?
3: Welcome back, everybody. It's Jack Rico, and on the line right now, I have three great comedians. that are going to be forming part of HBO Latino's Entre Nos Part 2, Vladimir Camaño, Frankie Quiñones, and Sheila Rivera. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. So good to talk to you guys. You know, it, it, I'm always very happy to talk to comedians, especially in times like this. I feel like things are so dark right now in life, and they're so gloomy, and and it's always good to talk to comedians because, A, they make you laugh, they entertain you. Uh, it's always a bright, sunny Unless you're Andy Kaufman <laughs> and Lenny Bruce, Jack.
1: Jack, uh, Jack I think uh, I think I think it's been dark for people of color for a long time. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> I don't well, think it's just right now. <laughs> well, listen. <laughs> let, think, let's I begin. Think, with... I don't think you know. People always say that conversation. I want to go back to the good old days. I'll, you know, it's like it's always been dark. It's just now that it's kind of you know we got a guy that's a little more blatant blatant about it in terms of uh, his speech.
3: You have Anthony of Part Two that's coming out Friday, October thirteenth. Um, on HBO Latino and I kind of wanted to get your thoughts immediately about what was that feeling like have you been on HBO before uh, how did that feel for all three of you
1: the first thing was well how much are they paying <laughs> you know that's always the first question <laughs> I, listen man I'm all about that offer like I, I, love, I love people calling me up like yo man you know what's going on I got this thing for you what's the offer that's my question all the time dude you know I come from, uh, I come from New York and everything's a hustle you know, they try to sell you on perks. I'm a New Yorker, we got free I know, food, man. You know what I mean? We got free food. We got flight. We got hotel. How much they paying? Hey, listen, function. man, you got, free. you got dinner. You got dinner, man. You know, just gonna take care of you. But listen, for listen, man. You know, you like you like shoelaces? Okay. So that was my first talk. I was like, What's the offer? I don't know, you know, I'm sure Frankie and Shayla had different uh
3: Frankie, do you care to to chip to chip in?
2: Uh yeah, no, I was excited about it, man. I was just uh I was just pumped to see that HBO Latino was gonna uh, do some uh do a some stand up a stand up series uh, to begin with, so I was like, oh, this is, this is going to be great for uh, Latino comedians in general, and then uh, for them to give me the opportunity, I was fun, man, get get the voice out there.
3: Shayla, have you been on HBO before? No, I have not,
4: but you know when they called me, I was super excited, of course, just like. Finally, I get to be an up-and-coming Latino comedian. I've only been doing it 24 years. So, hey, I'm about to be an overnight sensation. Let's do this. And then I ask, how much are you going to pay me? I need to
2: know that too.
3: Um, Getting back to uh, what Vladimir was saying about the dark ages of comedy. Why has comedy been so dark for so long, do you think?
1: Well, just take a step back, Jack, I wasn't saying uh, that the dark ages of comedy. You You had hinted at comedy's needed right now because things are so dark. Mm-hmm. And I, my my reply was that things have always been dark for a lot of us. It's just yeah. that now it's more blatant.
3: And you specifically said people of color. You know, why do you think that that has been for so long?
4: Well, you know, uh, I really think comedy comes from pain. Uh, a lot yeah. of pain. And uh, I, I think people of color, we have, you know, we're not about convenience. We're about survival. And I think that's the greatest source of comedy. So I don't see it so much as dark. And I'm sure that this is what, you know, what, what Blad is talking about is it's, comedians kind of change the perspective. We kind of talk about what everybody already knows. We just go ahead and give it a voice sometimes, and people go, "Oh my god, I can't believe you said that!" Uh, I just told my mom that this morning. You know, it's just it, it's just a matter of getting it out there and lightening up a little bit.
3: Yeah, there, there's obviously differences. Uh, nos Part One, which was Spanish language comedy, and there's Entrenos Part Two, which is the English version of Latino comedians. Do you guys feel that there's differences in the nuances of how you tell a joke in Spanish to how you tell a joke in English, even though there might be both Latinos? Like, have you ever been put in a position that you have to translate your repertoire for a particular audience? And have you found any difficulties in translating those nuances?
2: Um,
1: Have you done that?
4: Because I have. Go ahead.
1: No, it's a, different, it's a different culture. It's a whole different culture. That's the thing, too. Like, you know, uh, doing comedy in the Dominican Republic versus doing comedy in America is two different cultures. Although I am Dominican, I exist within the American context. Therefore, whatever I'm talking about has a different lens. So, um, yeah, there's differences in terms of what, what, because, you know, a lot of my comedy is talking about the struggle of being a millennial in America. Right. So, therefore, the, the content is different and the, the angle is different, so to speak.
2: Yeah, I would, to just touch on what Vlad just said, it's the same kind of thing, man. It's just kind of like uh, with some Spanish words you can't translate directly to English. I feel like that—that's all it kind of culturally. Uh, when you hear like a Mexican comedian, some of them are great, you know. They're like uh, just their, you know, the way their their jokes are kind of different or the way the style, just because our, there's different cultures. Mm-hmm. Like for me, growing up in America, I'm obviously going to talk about different things than somebody that grew up in Mexico, you know what I mean, or any any other uh, other country, but. Uh, for the most part, funny is funny. You know what I mean? Just just try to find your voice.
3: Shayla, you said that you uh, had already done I that. I think
4: you find out how funny you are when you try to do your stand up in Spanish. I tried to Yeah, do that. yeah, exactly. Sometimes
2: that. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't make sense for this.
3: <laughs> how difficult was it for you, Shayla?
4: I was trying to do it. It was like, it's a lot of tests, which is different from stand up. Um, you know, yeah, you don't yeah. really stand up in Spanish has really taken off. In the last decade, I think beautifully, but before mm. that, it was mainly like you telling jokes um, in Spanish, and I and I didn't really have jokes. And then, so try, try, I try. Look, I try to do a show for um, for some people in Tijuana in español, and I have never suffered so much.
3: Wow, with my life was was it that they was it that the audience wasn't laughing or
4: the audience was. They did not know what I was doing. They, uh, they, I was doing my jokes. I was telling him them, them stories about me, which mm-hmm. is what stand up is about, or my perspective, or you know, like and and Frankie was like, that doesn't mean I can do stand up in Spanish, right? You know? Right. So,
3: caps off. Let me ask all three of you: What is the secret to telling a great joke?
1: Uh, if the audience laughs. I think that's pretty important. Well, that's, a,
3: that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a But that's a result that's of telling a great joke. That's a result of telling a great joke. But what 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 happens? Right. What are the machinations, the process, the details that happen in well, we telling know. a great? Oh no,
4: timing is. Yeah, yeah well, uh, timing uh, is key, definitely, and you have to be sold on the on the material yourself. If you are trying to. You know, you've got to tell the stuff that you think is funny, and I really think if you, the comedian is up there having a blast telling their, in whichever way they want to do it, you know, and they're telling stuff that they have thought of as funny, that's how they can sell it. Um, so, but you, got, you do have to have good timing, you do have to have good presence. you know, relate to the audience. Unless your manner is to be like Frankie and everybody hates you, and then you know. But hey, that's his style.
2: Frankie,
3: what do you have to say? <laughs> hey,
2: geez. yeah, yeah. I mean, any, any joke that makes people laugh is good. But uh, for me, like some of my better jokes are when I'm able to touch on something that's painful, maybe a little bit emotional, but I can make a room full of strangers uh, laugh out loud about it. it. You know, it's kind of therapeutic, but it also like has some layers to it. When you make people feel something mm-hmm. uh, inside while they're laughing out loud, uh, uh, to me that's like a that's what a great joke makes for me.
3: Yeah, go ahead Vlad.
1: No, I think I think uh we can we can try, draw a parallel to other forms of art whether it's music or writing or film anything that's uh you know simp- uh simplicity is also very key. Uh the simpler the content is to, to understand mm-hmm. the better. Uh that's, that's not saying that a joke is not sophisticated or that a piece of work is not sophisticated, but that the artist took the time to take out all the unessentials and just leave in what's required. And it's the the shortest distance between content and the audience understanding it that that makes a great joke. And if it pops and they get it immediately, then you get that that clean clean response. There's no extra fat. Boom. In your face. You got it. You understood it. And you laugh.
3: I had a chance to see the show, and I have to say that it went by very quickly. I feel like instead of these half-hour shows, I think uh, these comedy specials should be an hour because I want to hear so much more. I feel like you guys are just getting warmed up by the time you finish.
1: It's, it's, uh, it's the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Appetizer. It's, it's the money, yeah, you know, you, you get, get ten minutes of drink. Look, Jack, you know what
4: needs to happen is each one of us needs to have a one hour special on HBO Latino <laughs> you now.
3: Well there you That's go. Okay, you're planting the seeds now. You're planting the okay. seeds. <laughs> one of the things that I noticed from the three of you is all three of you have a different take on 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 your Comedic repertoire. So, for example, Shayla, from my perspective, uh, I, I thought that your comedy, your your sketches, were more along the lines of relationships and the dimensions of aging. Frankie, you know, I took from you high school sort of that nostalgia from back in the day, uh, cultural identity uh, with the joke about the Indian man who, who did some sort of a song bid, you know, as his name, uh, and with Vlad, I, you know, I thought yours was really interesting because you kept on bringing up the fact about money all the time. And I felt it was a very distinctive look at uh, elitists, your view of them, um, and social class commentary. What, why did you feel, Vlad, that... that Why was this so, I guess, prevalent in your comedy, at least in this show? Is that something you've been sort of... Uh, having a point of view about ever since you were young or?
1: No, I think, I think as I've gotten older, I've become more aware of the fact that there are different elements of segregation in terms of neighborhood, the way neighborhoods are put together. Um, certain pockets of, you know, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, and our behaviors and our cultures are not coincidence. The way we, the way we, the way we, uh, interact with certain products and brands is not coincidence. You know, my mother loved Tropicana orange juice. That was a big deal to her. Um, because you live in a poor neighborhood, that's the best orange juice you can get. Yeah, you know. Yes, yeah. Sunny D was the worst. <laughs> what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is that uh, these 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 behaviors that that rich people have versus people in, in urban poor pockets they're not coincidence. They're 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 deliberate uh, residue of policies and government action. Um, obviously, you can't do that because then you start you start becoming like a preacher. You're preaching. You can't say it outright, but if you do it in a way, it's funny and you can mock it.
2: It it highlights it a little bit, you know.
3: Right now, Frankie, what about you?
2: Yeah, man. I don't know. My mom, uh, my mom and pops are always, uh, uh, you know. I saw them. They, they came from a situation where that, you know, they grew up in the same neighborhood. Um, I saw them struggle a lot, but they were so open minded, and uh, you know, our neighborhood was was uh, you know diverse. We had a little bit of everything. So, um,
3: your sister married know, a, like, a white guy, uh, and and you know, you brought that up as as. This guy is going to be the one that's sort of going to be the ambassador to the cops, you know. And I thought that was very funny. But at the end, you know, behind that, I always, you know, you always kind of take a look at the the incision that that comedians do uh, on social commentary of those things. I, I always feel that those things are done deliberately in order to be able to, to voice them, no?
2: Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, my, my sister never dated a white guy versus a white guy she dated, you know, she married him. And uh, I, which I thought was cool. You know, he's a hard-working dude. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Yeah, yeah. But that actually, that, that thing actually came from a real situation that happened. Like, the cops came to a family barbecue, and, uh, you know, my brother-in-law went out there, and, and the cop the cop was relieved. He was Mexican, actually. The cop was. But just <laughs> that he saw a white guy, you could see the relief in his eyes. He's like, oh, okay, cool. They got it under <laughs> control. Which I think is interesting because, you know, we were all good people there. We just got a little loud, you know. But, uh, you know, it's just... It's funny that, you know, those things are so cliche, but they're still, like, real, you know? <laughs> and then when you witness it, you're like, oh, man, it's true. But, uh, you know, those things are just funny to me, man. But it's also, like, kind of eye-opening.
3: Right. And for you, Shayla, <laughs> relationships, you know, you talk about age, you know, are, are these the things that, that you feel are, are very current in your own life?
4: Well, that you know, I'm anybody who knows my comedy is very much is very observational i mean i grew up in puerto rico and then i moved to to texas where i had to learn the language um so i kind of to me my comedy's always been uh cultural differences gender differences the differences between that's what that's what tickles me mm-hmm. but this particular show yeah i decided to do what you know, what is current right now for me. And it's just, I mean, women are kind of being emboldened and stuff like that. Relationships, I don't really do a whole lot. But probably what you saw is all I do. <laughs> Relationships. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's basically what I thought, you know, I was going to have fun with uh, that night. And I certainly
3: did. I, I interviewed G- Andy Garcia several years ago. And I, 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 I mentioned him as a Hispanic actor. And he actually got ruffled over that. And he goes, no, 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 no. Don't call me a Hispanic actor. I'm just an actor. Right. And I thought that that was really interesting because, you know, as a support system, we all try to, you know, support each other, Hispanic actors, Asian actors, you know, et cetera. But you don't call a, a an American actor, a white American actor, a white actor. You just call him an actor. So in the case of, of comedians, do you have a problem being labeled as a Latino comedian as opposed to just a comedian.
1: I think, the, uh, I think the conversation gets caught up in the, the, the tug-of-war between art and commerce. Mm-hmm. You know, as an artist, as an artist, you want to be a comedian who happens to be Latino. Yeah, yeah. But commerce requires selling. And when you're selling something, you have to know what you're selling and what the product is and where it's going. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, unfortunately, when you deal with commerce, agents, business, entertainment, you know, rightfully so, they need to know what they're selling. And I think that's where the complications matter, because the artist wants to be known as just talent. I can act in any role. I can be in any role. But the person who's selling wants to know, well, who am I selling to and what am I selling? So it's it's a constant negotiation. I don't, I don't fault Andy for that. I actually agree with him in certain aspects, because I remember being in college, and I'll keep this short. There was a, a book by Ralph Ellison called Invisible Man.
3: Yeah, that's a great
0: book.
1: And, amazing book, and they were talking about how he's one of the greatest African-American authors. And I took offense to that because he—he—he he was one of the greatest American authors who happens to be African American. You know, you—you—you you, you can't separate it from the American conversation. And I think that's what—that's what, that's what kind of Andy's talking about. It's almost like you're removing it from the American fabric of like, oh, he's—he's he's a Latino who happens to be in America, as opposed to an American who happens to be Latino. Right. Um, but again, I think I think I think it goes back to art and commerce and and, and the needs of each. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, Jack. I mean, you know, this is the old concept. It goes back to like you know uh, the whole term of double consciousness. Mm -hmm. If you you go to Dominican Republic, if you go to Mexico, this, 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 this double thinking doesn't exist of like, because we, we as, as minorities, not only are we asking how is our community looking at us, but how is the larger culture looking at us? Right. So there's a, there's a level, there's a level of meta thinking going on Mm -hmm. that is, that only happens, I think, in places like, like America in terms of entertainment and how, how it it itself. Well,
3: it's because, you know, mostly outside of America, every country is almost homogenous with their society. I mean, you know, look look at Japan, you know, they look at a black guy, yeah, and they're yeah. like, oh my god, what is this? Yeah. You know, but here in America, this is the melting pot. this is the, I mean, I this is the experiment. For, I
4: grew up in Puerto Rico, and in Puerto Rico, I was Puerto Rican. Then I moved to Texas and I then I found out I was a minority and I found out I was Mexican. You know? <laughs> <laughs> they, they have no idea. And but we're all different. Anyway, Latino community, you know, Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans, we're all different and we're okay with that. But sometimes we just kind of be we're seen as, you know, just the one thing. And uh that's that's what we're that's what we're struggling through I guess and we'll make it we'll make it to the other side.
3: Well, thank you very much, Shayla Rivera, Frankie Quiñones, and Vladimir Camaño. Thank you for being on the Highly Relevant podcast. You can catch them this Friday, October 13th, which is Friday the 13th, so hopefully you guys don't mind that. The name of the show is called Entrenos Part 2. It will once again premiere this Friday, October 13th at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 8.30 p.m. Central Time, exclusively on HBO Latino. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. That's it for episode 52 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Vladimir Camaño, Frankie Quinones, and Shayla Rivera for being on the show. And thank you guys for taking the time out to listen from your favorite streaming platform wherever you may be. If you like this U.S. Latino podcast, please share it on your social media apps. Tell your friends all about it. If you can, please have them subscribe and review the show. It's the reviews that get us on the top charts of iTunes. Also, want to take a brief pause just to kind of give a shout-out to Combate Americas. They're the Latino UFC, so to speak. Uh, They got a big Copa Combate coming out November 11th. And uh, they got a new, brand-new podcast with Alberto El Patron. You know him as Alberto Del Rio from the WWE. He's going to be hosting that show. A lot of great guests to five limited episode series previewing Copa Combate. It's basically like a World Cup tournament, but in MMA style, which is cool. It's brand new. Very cool. So check that out. In the meantime, hope you enjoy your weekend and stay connected with us via showbizcafe.com. See you next week on another episode of